what meal would you prepare for your husband in order for him to fall in love with you? I mean, like, at the beginning. Obviously, you already won. I, that's true. I, I've kind of done it. I mean, I don't, I'm sure it made him fall harder. I don't know if it made him fall in love with me. <laughs> but I, I make a pretty mean butter-basted steak. Oh, God. And it's like, yeah, because it's like, what's wrong with, like, steak and garlic and rosemary and just literally lathering it with more butter? <laughs> just, like, pouring, like, boiling, cooking, like, steamy, garlicky infused butter on top of a steak and just letting it, like soak in well immediately you have to flag this episode as an explicit yes that was so sorry horny as hell everybody's having issues yeah maybe it wasn't love maybe it was lust when i made it um yeah with like bacon wrapped asparagus like super yeah super good like ridiculous i also make a pretty good um shrimp pan roast i've never had so most people when you hear pan roast you assume that it's like a like a roast like a big piece of red meat and it's in like a roasting pan with like vegetables and stuff like that right it's actually like a slightly like bisky type like seafood stew Ooh! so it's almost like a super fancy garlicky less tomatoey tomato bisque mm-hmm. with like more like worcestershire and like uh hot sauce and different things like that and then you can put like shrimp crab lobster that's so gorgeous like, whatever so i make a pretty good shrimp pan roast pass along the recipe Let's i will it. it's so good oh my God. It's so easy to make too it's like you just dump a bunch of stuff and you're like yeah it looks good that's usually what I do when I cook, but yeah. I it's never good. That's why I don't like cooking, because I'm like, I like food too much to eat whatever I make. Most everything I make that's good generally has some large element of butter <laughs> attached to it, because, like, I just, that's me, yeah. Um, At the Oscars party that I was recently at, they mm-hmm. had that little buffet of things that you could get, mm-hmm. and they had bread and butter balls, and I grabbed, like, six or seven butter balls, and I was walking back to the table, and someone's like, you forgot the bread. And did this I? man said, <laughs> no, no, she did not forget it. <laughs> And I'll never forget, I was just doing something and eating, and then I just popped a butterball in my mouth, and Joe H.I. just looked at me, and I was like, oh, what what, what happened? Did I do something? Remind like, me after this, I have a special churned butter in my fridge right now that I was using for the steaks I made last night, and legit on its own, so good. Oh my god. So that's what you're going to have. This is, that's going to be your little prize at the end of this. Because it's so good, even on its own, like, fresh out of the, like, it's so weird. But, like, I'm already one, so honestly. Good. Oh my god, it's so You know good. how some people are, like, looking for love into them getting married or having kids? Is that mm-hmm. beginning to come to your house, watch this movie with you and your husband? You're giving me carrots with his cute dip. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give me butter. Yeah, let's not forget the face mask at the very <laughs> the beginning. Face mask. I was Nothing like, against your weird? husband. I think you were my favorite kid so far because you have treated me so kindly. I was like, if we're going to watch a chick flick, we got to go full chick flick. Like, you got to do the face mask. You've got to talk shit about the actors the whole time. Yes. And then there's got to be snacks. Uh, you, oh my you, god. It has to. We didn't drink to. any wine. Oh, we had an edible. I guess that counts for it. I guess that counts for it. <laughs> that works, yeah. And that's... then after this, I'm going to pull out my J14 magazine and we're going to find out which member of whatever band is currently popular that we're in love with. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Your fave bad movie. Alright, we're officially recording. Anything that you say after this can be used in a court of law. Shit. So, first introductory question. Have you committed any crimes recently? No. I was trying to think if I committed like a crime of fashion or something like that. <laughs> what do you I mean? Was like, no, like, like, just kidding. It is my a cute, cute chevron loungy sweater. Uh no. No, have you? Any crimes? Yeah. Here's the thing. I don't know a lot of laws. <laughs> so, like, maybe? <laughs> so I, I mean, I drove here 
And that it alone, probably 14 or 15, I broke. Oh, well, there you go. And I believe in stopping, or I believe in stopping too fast. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe in the clueless mentality. What is the clueless mentality? Which is that you, like, slow down at a stop sign, but when you're, when, as you're approaching, you realize there are obviously nobody else coming on the other three. I totally paused. (laughs) So it's clueless. It's the clueless, it's like... Shares mentality from Clueless. I believe it. If I can tell that there's no danger, I'm going to be fine and I'll just do whatever I want. Right. I pay my taxes. I pay for these fucking roads. If this I want to drive on the opposite side, yeah, I'm going to fucking do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Who cares? Start do it. Start do it. That's so dumb. I love it. That's what this is. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back to another episode of Your Fave Bad Movie. I am your host, Billie Eilish. Sis brother, <laughs> whose name I don't know. Planet Phineas. Phineas, and with me today, I have with me one of the most beautiful, one of the most fucking hilarious, and one of the most charming people that I've ever met in my entire life. You're looking at a mirror right now. <laughs> Amanda Alvey. Hi. Amanda Fannin. I'm so sorry. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm, both. Are you hyphenated? No. Oh. So I legally changed to Fannin. Right. You're welcome, Neil. But for stage purposes, I'm remaining Alvy. Okay. So it's kind of funny because as president of the board for GLM, it says Amanda Fannin. Right. But if I'm in the show, it says Amanda Alvy. So oh. people might think it's like two completely different Amandas that are like part of the company. <laughs> no, but it's just me. It's just me. And there's enough to go around. It feels like two people. It just, it was ingrained into me yeah. that it was Amanda Alvy for so long. Yeah. And because... I grew up witnessing you as a performer, as a person, as an adult. And I was like, oh, that's Amanda Alvey. Right. That I am learning under. He called me Amanda Alvey the other day. And I was like, you're my husband. I took your (laughs) name, jerk. Like, come on. I have known you since I was 14 years old. Terrifying. Currently, I'm 25. So I've known you for 11 years. Oh, crap. Yeah. And that's very interesting to find out. So wait a second. I want to do the math here. 11 years. So that means you were how old? I was 14 years old. Good God. I was like late, I was like mid 20s when I met you. (laughs) Like we were hanging out, you were 14. I mean like hanging out in the sense like you'd come to rehearsals and like, right? and like chill. Like I wasn't taking you to like clubs, but I think you would have taken me to clubs. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) But yeah, oh God, wow. Well, and it's just so cool. And I want to say thank you for everything because me and my best friend McKenna looked up to you so much. You were always one of top two, if not the top of our funniest people in that oh, group. Thank you. And it was just so nice to have really good heroes who have gone on to do really, really cool things. Everything so you do oh. artistically and creatively oh, and lovingly. Oh, oh my thank God, you. it's such a pleasure. Now you get yeah. to be on my podcast. <laughs> I'm so excited. I've so never, I <laughs> actually haven't done, like Ian and I had a podcast for a while that mm-hmm. we were doing and stuff like that, but I've never actually been a guest on someone else's podcast. I think this is, I think you're, this is like the cherry moment. Oh my God. We just made this magic happen. <laughs> we did. <laughs> Congratulations. So thanks for having me. No problem. I appreciate it. What have you been watching lately? I'm trying not to repeat what other people have heard because I know Tawny uh, is watching Grace and Frankie and I also am, but I just caught up. So now I've got to wait for the new season to come out. And there's something about watching Lily Tomlin give present. Bartlett and Edible that gave me life that I'm like I am forever for this show all time anytime television wise Neil and I really got into a, a Netflix reality show called The Circle girl I've only ever heard things about it that I can't put in here's the thing I went into it thinking I'm not gonna like this yeah and we were like maybe 15 minutes in and I was like interesting because you're getting to experience all these people choosing to either be completely themselves right or catfishing right and you get to watch it 
And then there's an element where when someone gets kicked out of the circle, like you get eliminated, the eliminated person gets to go and visit anybody in the entire game in person before they go. Oh, I didn't know that So part. there's like connections that are made where like a, a guy is like, I got to go see this girl because I made this connection with her and like walks in the door and it's a dude catfishing him. Oh God. So that's what we were living for. We were like, oh my gosh, this is so good. And so there's that element where it's like, because some people catfish and some people are real. Right. Or some people are like kind of like faking it a little bit. There's so many elements and I didn't think I would love it and I got so hooked on it and now I'm like, how are they going to do another season? Because it's right. like now we know there's a catfish option even more. But I guess that would be part of the, part of the fun thing is now people are coming into it. So yes. you get two versions of the show for the price of one. Yes. Where one is all original, nobody has anything. Yes. And after that, like, oh, now you get the competitors mm-hmm. who are like, how do I win? Yes. So, so there's another Netflix one that just came out that was called Love is Blind. Okay. Hosted by the Lachey's. Why? I don't know. <laughs> and they don't need to be there. So the other good thing about The Circle is who it's hosted by. Who's it hosted by? It is hosted by this phenomenal female comic who I can't think of her name all of a sudden. It's Michelle... Gondre. No, it's... <laughs> <laughs> You're so weird. Um, uh, Can you imagine a Michelle Gondry hosted dating no, show? <laughs> for sure. Oh my God, that'd be amazing. No, Michelle, I think it's pronounced Buteau. She's like, she was on... Um, oh, oh. She was on Two Dope Queens. Yeah. She did like a, like a stand-up set. And she does it, she hosts it. But really what she does is just narrates it. So every time something's happening and you kind of go, oh, that's stupid. She go, oh, that's stupid, honey. And you're like, oh my God, she's thinking my thoughts. Oh, that's um, cool. So she's the best part. And then the Love is Blind one is just weird because it's a bunch of people like meeting each other but never getting to see each other. And then they all propose to each other within like days. No. It's all weird. So I now any show that ends in a proposal. It's starting to lean into the 90 day fiance thing and I don't know how long I'm going to last with it. But yeah, Chef's all kiss. day, every day. Speaking of chef's kisses. Yeah. Amanda. <laughs> yes. What's your fave bad movie? Oh, my fave bad movie is Simply Irresistible, starring Sarah Michelle Gellar <laughs> and Sean Patrick Flannery. Because in the 90s, it was required that your leads had to have three names. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely 100% requirement. So Sarah Michelle Gellar, you got SMG, you got SPF. They're both there. You you need a nice balance. A nice balance, yeah, yeah. I cannot wait to get into this movie with you because I have got thoughts, opinions, questions, exclamations, statements, proverbs, Mm -hmm. quotations, sentences. Mm -hmm. I have all of it. Yep. My first one. Yep. How did you find out about this movie? Well, I'll tell you. Please. Uh, When I was younger, by younger, I mean, I mean, this was like, movie came out in like 99. So I would have been like 16, 17, Mm -hmm. somewhere in that ballpark if I'm doing math. Yeah. And I was always very tall. So the suitors were not a run-in because it was hard to find a suitor that would be accepting to the height element. And so I, like any good theater girl would do, retreated into movies and television and films, all kinds of stuff that I could basically live vicariously through the characters. Mm-hmm. And so I am 100% the most rom com of rom com girls mm-hmm. and always was. And so I think it just came across my door one day and I was like, yeah, Sarah Michelle Gellar, let's do this. It was the height of like that crew. It was like the Freddie Prince Juniors and the Sarah Michelle Gellars and like the Jennifer Love Hewitt. Oh it's God. like all those, like those kind of vibes. So yeah, it was 100% that issue. Mm-hmm. I am a person who kind of takes pride in the fact that like I really really like movies this is what I do and focus on Mm -hmm. and usually there are movies that I'm like oh I've never seen that but I've heard about it right 
And the reason that I asked how you found out about this movie, I have never, mm-hmm. ever in my whole life seen a trailer, heard the name, knew it existed, heard its effects. And based off of watching this movie, I felt like there should have been a conversation happening. Yeah, this this movie would exist in a very different way if it was released now. Yeah. Like, in 99, it flew under the radar because it was, like, the movie that... Not everybody likes the script, but if you can get a star attached to it. And they right. got Sarah Michelle Gellar, and she was at the height of her teen, teen yeah. boppy <laughs> career kind of thing, so... Yeah, I think that's the only reason why. I think if you released a movie, this movie, even if you redid it with the same, like, script and idea, like, yeah. it just, it would have to be so completely different and twisted. And I would think, I I think it would be one of those movies that is so weird, like a low-budget version of Cats, where you like, watch this, mm-hmm. because it is just, it doesn't make sense, the beats aren't there, it doesn't feel like a real movie, right. but it is. Right. I just saw it. Right. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end, but they take you on a journey. Yeah. To try to get there, and at the end you kind of go, wait, what? Um, okay. And you just gotta, like, accept you it. You have to go, also this movie it. is not gonna hold your hand during it. It's no. not saying, here, come with me. It says, I'm gonna go, are you here or not? It's the thinking woman's rom-com. <laughs> the thinking woman's rom-com. You said something like earlier that this movie was similar, or it was the rom-com version of The Room. Yes. What did you mean by that? Um, it's not a good movie. It's it's actually not a good movie. Like, it's, the cinematography is not clever. Like, there's no, like, clever. There's a few moments where you're kind of like, oh, that camera angle's cool. Like, we talked about the mirrors on the dance floor and that yes, sort of thing. Yes, that was gorgeous. And, I like, that, that stuff is gorgeous, but, like, in general, like, it's pretty basic. It's, like, kind of cookie cutter. Right. So it's almost like a Lifetime or a Hallmark romantic comedy where you get the general premise and you're like, that's a lot of stuff. It's, like, too much stuff right. for one movie, but they're going to cram it in there because you do all those puzzle pieces and hopefully it works. Right. The difference is that this had a pretty decent cast for the time, considering, like, who was kind of the up-and-comers and, like, that's where it differs from The Room because The Room does not have that element. Correct. But it just, because it doesn't make sense... And probably throughout the entire movie, there's moments where you're like, why? Why Why did that even have to happen? I did that like multiple times. Where I was like, why did we have to have this moment where, you know, this specific thing is happening and you're, you're kind of, it like throws you off. Yes. And there's so many different themes. So there's like the, the like paper airplane theme with him. Which I did not think it was going to pay off. I just no. thought it was so stupid to include, but I guess it. Did, but also it still didn't do anything. Right. And then there's like the massive element. I mean, we haven't really gone into like the synopsis mm-hmm. of it, but like the massive element of the fact that she's a chef who owns a restaurant with her aunt and like they're trying to keep it alive for her mother's memory. But like how long have they been struggling? And then rent goes up, but it's like, were you paying rent this whole time? Like you've been able to? Yeah. Like she runs a restaurant, but she's not a good cook and never has been. Right. So where are we meeting her in her timeline of, like, the restaurant life and just this romantic comedy? And is this what she wanted to do? Did she work for the restaurant before? Right. It was her mom the cook and she was the the assistant cook? There's a reference to her mom's recipes. So I think it's, like, it's the tradition of her mom's place and not wanting to lose that. She doesn't want to lose her mom in this process. It it just, like, any other movie would have gone into the details of that. Right. And this movie doesn't, but still just continues on. So then you're like, well, what's the rest of the story if it's not her arc of this restaurant? Right. Because they're like, well, how do we do this? How do we fix this for her? Oh, let's give her, like, a clearance. And it doesn't, like, even end up at the restaurant. The final piece is at someone else's restaurant. Yeah, yeah. so it's like you're just kind of, like, assuming, like, well, things go better for her, I guess. Like, she becomes a better cook and the restaurant does do better. Like, she gets the review that's, like, talking about how it's so great. Right. The whole thing is just 
it feels like someone has only ever seen David Lynch films and decided to do their own, but they made it a rom-com. Yes. And they had so many ideas that they just threw them all up on the board and and was like, as long as we string them together. We'll be fine. Then that means they're automatically connected. They didn't actually care about creating an arc and a connection for any right. reason to these things. They were like, we're just going to throw, we're just going to throw a bunch of shit up there. Mm-hmm. We're going to see what sticks. And then we're going to connect it all together somehow. This movie came out February 5th, 1999. Did you catch this in theaters or did you catch this later on at home release on VHS? This was later on. I don't believe I actually went and saw this in, in theaters. Did anybody? Did this come out to theaters? I think it did. Is this not but just I don't a VHS you find in a garage sale and you're like, that looks like something. Yeah, I feel like, so I will say that, that there was a time very briefly where I did work for like a video rental. Place. Oh, gorgeous. I'm aging myself big time. I always wanted um, to when they shut down before I came of age. No, I did. So I used to, I used to work for Tower Records Ugh. for about a year, about six months. I worked for Tower Records maybe like a year before they started to kind of close them down. Mm-hmm. And then briefly I worked at a Hollywood video. And like, I think part of me finding this movie was probably because of the fact that I worked in places that had that supply of like things that I wouldn't normally be introduced to right. in any other situation. So I, I never remembered seeing it in the theaters, but I remember thinking I haven't watched it in a really long time. Right. But I remembered that I've watched it enough times that I remembered things. Like I sang along to like one of the songs. Right. And I don't know who sings that song. I don't even know what I that fucking song is. I tell was. you the title. I couldn't sing it for you right now. But as it was playing, I knew the song. So it is ingrained into you. It's I've a part it. of you. It, yes. <laughs> yes. It lives in me now. It is etched in my soul. This movie was directed by Mark Tarlov, who I have never seen anything he's done. No, I think he's more producer status. And yes, even and then, it's been like under the radar. And he produced Serial Mom and Christine. Mm-hmm. Two good movies. Yeah. And then. So he, not horrible taste. Not horrible taste. So then what happened? His. <laughs> wife judith roberts mm-hmm. who produced the movie the only other movie that he directed temptation oh right and they worked on the story together so i need to know this happened like at 3 a.m then we came home from a bar and they're like honey honey let's do this we got, we got it we got an idea <laughs> yeah yeah they came home from dinner at a good fancy restaurant and they're like all right <laughs> we, we gotta do this. something about how the, how that meal changed us what if, you know what what if we ate someone else's emotions what if that's what we did you think they got like super high oh yeah they had to oh, because yeah. none of it makes sense even even if you're high it doesn't really make sense so you'd right. have to create this kind of story when you're not a well, and that mind. would make so much sense because when you're high you would connect the pieces so well you're like uh, of course she buys a magical crab and the crab gives it the power to put her emotions to food and have people feel them and also flow and fog appears in magical realism is in a dance sequence. Yeah. Of course they did. Yeah. But when you're watching it, you're like, what? Yeah. Excuse me? It's like if if the sci-fi network decided to do a romantic oh comedy. Oh my God. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like, <laughs> there's elements where it's like, this is totally like, it's like mystical and magical and like, you're just assuming that it like, this kind of stuff would take place in everyday life you're just going into it going yeah that's normal yeah a crab just hangs out in your kitchen for weeks on end and you don't care it's your buddy and you're like no him we can't cook we can cook all of his friends but him no him he's, but no he's gonna he had, watch he had to watch all those other crabs go down what a fucking asshole I crab i know so <laughs> we're talking about how these movies are like something else but i want to know what is this movie what is this movie about what happens in this movie and listeners i want you to play this game is she telling the truth or is she lying to you? Please continue. 
this movie is about okay again and i know this is gonna sound funny i think i'm also drawn to this movie because the main character's name is amanda i'm sorry i'm a little egotistical we'll take it you um, to be. you're fucking great so smg plays amanda shelton who owns a restaurant that doesn't look like a restaurant it's like a window and a door and the window has like slat blinds and just like the name of the restaurant on the window so like there's no indication that she has a restaurant there at all i think at first she said like is this in her apartment and i was like no that's like her professional kitchen yeah her restaurant that's like six tables it's fine and uh she's struggling rent has gone up like all rents do at the beginning of movies where like there's a struggle right and they're trying to figure out what they're gonna do and they're gonna have to close she (laughs) goes to the farmer's market to get her items for the day for her zero customers and uh (laughs) which makes sense and they build these relationships with people at the farmer's market that you never see again. You never... They don't come to her restaurant? Nope. They don't matter? She never They're comes back to this farmer market. They're not there for her special market. night at the end? Like, none no. of that. Nope. Uh, and while she's there, she comes across a gentleman in a, a hat. A, he looks like he belongs in a quartet. Yes. Yeah, old-timey, like, yeah. Which is amazingly played by Christopher Durang. <laughs> Um, Why Christopher Durang? Who plays Gene O'Reilly, and he gives her a basket of crabs, which is exactly what it sounds like. And you can kind of tell, like, hey, there's something about this guy that's weird, because he's sitting over here, and then she turns around, and he's right behind her. Like, oh, magic, what? And she takes the... This is such a weird movie to set up. So anyway, the (laughs) the general idea is that she she brings the, the thing of crabs home. There's a crab right on top who gets out of the basket and bites a hot guy in a suit who happens to be walking through the farmer's market simultaneously. And he is a guy who works for a uh, department store that is opening a restaurant within the department store. Which apparently is something that people do. I learned today. And yes. And while she's chasing this runaway crab, he the crab bites. Sean Patrick um, Flannery. Sean Patrick Flannery playing um, Tom Bartlett. And they kind of have their little meet cute, mm-hmm. as it were. And she brags about some dish that she can't create because she's not a good cook. And he ends up getting coming to her restaurant later that day because Clarence Angel Christopher Durang uh, becomes a taxi driver too. He's just, he plays many parts. And they show up to eat at her restaurant. Him and his girlfriend at the time, Three Dates girlfriend, played by the completely, insanely overlooked Amanda Peet. Yes. Who's I, phenomenal. I feel like Amanda Peet should have had the career that Jennifer Connelly. Mm. I still love Jennifer Connelly yeah. and I want her to have her career. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Amanda Peet also deserved a career like that. And yeah. where did, why didn't she get it? Yeah. No, there's like, there's like things that I like, I'm upset about. There's a, a fantastic show she was on called Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Right. Um, which is an Aaron Sorkin one with a phenomenal cast. And she played like an executive. And she's so phenomenal in that show that I like didn't want it to end. And then it ended and I was like, oh. I need to watch it. I need to pick so it up. Good. I have the whole series. Left really? Me, so you got it. Yeah. Oh, God bless yeah. America. <laughs> I love Aaron Sorkin. Um. So yeah. So she's like the girlfriend, and basically because the crab is suddenly there in the kitchen, Sarah Michelle Gellar's character is able to suddenly cook this phenomenal food, and it just kind of appears out of nowhere. But part of that is that her energy and her emotions tend to go into the food. Mm-hmm. So she bitches about him bringing his perfect girlfriend with perfect hair and perfect shoes and the whole thing and that energy goes into the food and causes them to break up at lunch with amanda pete losing her mind and throwing dishes and all kinds of stuff and so they basically form this like connection where she comes to his store to buy new plates because his girlfriend just broke all of hers and it starts like a weird a weird 
chain of events, because that's exactly what it is. There is no story here. It is a chain of events. Yeah, I set that up and it took like eight hours. Did it take eight hours for me to set up? That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But that's... That's what this movie... There's, you can't leave out a detail. No. Because, one, it already does... It it doesn't connect well. And if you leave out a detail, then it just sounds like you're making shit up. Yeah. Yeah. But it, yeah, but it's all real. And then there's, like, side characters and different elements that come into play. But it's really mostly about her kind of figuring herself out as a chef. But it's not that she learns to be a better chef. She just, like, magically is. Right. And it's never like a, oh, I found out that this magical crab is the one who gave me powers. I'm going to figure out what kind of chef I am without it. And like has one night where she's like, no, I've been the talent all along. No, she, at the end, when they have to go to the other restaurant restaurant, for their opening, she she brings the crab. Takes the damn crab with her. Yeah. She's like, nobody fucking touched this crab. He's wearing this beautiful lettuce wrap right now. Yeah. And he is a guest and nobody fuck with my magical crab. It was a straight up lettuce poncho. The only thing she gets like as an antagonist is... One, her boyfriend who's gaslighting her. Yeah. And two, the chef who only comes in in the final 15 minutes to be like, um, can I take over? And then she says no. And he's like, well, then yeah. do your job. Right. Which, I mean, he's right about. She's just standing there complaining that she can't get anything done. If you started. Yeah. Anything. Anything at all. But then we could do something. We could move forward. Yeah. And then he does what she wants. Yeah. And that's the art. Yeah. And then he tries her food and falls in love with the crab. Yeah, they have like a little moment. It's good for him. I want the spinoff for their roommates. Yeah. (laughs) And the crab every time is like, oh, I'm the special crab. So now I'm going to go visit someone in their arc (laughs) and just figure out my own story. And then we have a super serious story with a chef where he just wants to become an up and coming chef. Right. He's trying to like make his, he thought he was going to get his opportunity with the store at the. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to write that pilot. Okay. We're going to make this happen. This is going to be great. Yeah, it's I, it's like really hard. There's so many different themes that happen in this movie where there's like an element where the character of Tom struggles with dating a woman after four dates because it starts to become like a relationship. We establish early on that he has issues committing, obviously, but then he also has this weird fetish with paper airplanes, which, which doesn't really make any <laughs> sense, but then it comes into play at the end somehow. For like, a little bit. For like a hot second. For, for all the setup that it did with this paper airplane, I thought it would be significantly more important. Yeah. Like, no. oh my god, that Sarah Michelle Gellar has to deactivate a bomb and she's in the toppest tower and she needs the code that only we have down here. How do we get it to her? Right. And no. then he's like, I'm gonna run it down to this airplane and get it to her. The bulk of the budget of this film... Went, <laughs> went to the crab legs moving when that crab had to travel <laughs> and all the airplane flying shots where it was literally like a GoPro attached to the attached back. to the string that's on the back. Well, yeah, it's it's awful. Just for the note to land in her taxi. It doesn't even say anything. Mm-hmm. She just was like, oh, he sent this to me. Yeah. Fine. I'm going back into the store. Yeah. It didn't say sorry. It didn't say come back. It didn't mm-hmm. say I have a secret for you. No, no. It didn't say good job. But she just, but she knew. <laughs> Joke she knew. <laughs> she knew it landed in her lap, but she knew she got out of that cab instantly. She ran back in that store because she knew. <laughs> you don't have to write that kind of stuff in films. They just know. That's I've been the beauty of too many times comedy. that if someone threw a paper airplane at me, I would expect to open it up and have it say "fuck you, faggot, die." Something. Yeah. No, right. I'm like, like, you, like the paper airplane lands in your lap and you open it up and it's like, why are you leaving? Like something. something. <laughs> or something. No, he's just assuming that the, that the airplane is like enough. Mind you, this was set up by the people who thought they gave you enough information in this movie and it didn't. So maybe. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to actually use the metaphor I used with her outfit at the very end okay. where she's got too many accessories. Right. 
this movie got all dressed up and we needed to take a piece away. Like there was too many things, right? So like you take a few, you take like a few accessories off. Right. And you could have actually been like, okay, it's a little like, we're expecting it to be like kind of mythical and magical. and Okay, sure. Right. Because there's an audience for it, obviously. Magical like, realism. I love it. Magicians, the whole, like, like people are like into it, right? <laughs> right? Like people are into that. So there's an element to that, but it's just so many different things that are going on. Right. That you're trying to follow just their storyline. And part of it's like, no, less of them, more of these other people. Like, let's talk about them. Patricia fucking Clarkson. That's what it says on a driver's license. You can check it. Yes. She plays Tom's assistant, who is like the greatest thing to exist in this. I mean, between her and Dylan Baker. Yes. As like the boss boss, the owner of the actual department store and the restaurant. But legitimately, Patricia Clarkson is, is my everything. As she should be. She plays this character like only Patricia Clarkson could. Right. If you've seen her in anything other than The Maze Runner, you'll know exactly what it is that where she is just slightly there and slightly not there. Actually, you know what? I can see this Patricia Clarkson end up being the mom from Easy A. Like right. that kind of weird, I don't want to say manic so lightly, but that weird manic energy that she has. Right. Where she's suddenly like, oh, I just pivoted and now I'm someone new. But it's like her sense of humor and like yeah. the funny elements. And her the, beauty. Right. The weird scene is the scene where she where she eats the eclair and practically like, they're like spooning on the couch. Right. As they're talking. It's very weird. They respond to this eclair like people after they've just orgasm and you're in your most lovey-dovey and that's when you're like, what if we got a puppy? Like, that's how she's right. playing this part and sustains it's, it for It's so like long. the people who created this film saw Love Potion number nine and they were like, <laughs> we like that idea. Let's throw that in too. Like, that sounds like fun. They collected so many movies and put them all together, mm-hmm. but no one did the framework to be like, wait, 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 hold on. Maybe... <laughs> We don't need an angel and a crab and love fog and an additional dance number where they maybe imagined it or maybe actually did it. What if we took out Apocalypse Now from the set of movies that you got at Blockbuster tonight? Right. <laughs> right. What if? <laughs> what if? Like, what if we tried that? <laughs> it's so it's, yeah, it's, it, it's made beautiful by Patricia Clarkson and Dylan Baker. Dylan Baker has hands down the greatest joke in the entire movie let's set it up the french chef that they have to open up this restaurant their fancy this most important opening of their entire life quits the night before over some knives he wants his knives they give him bad knives they got lost yes and he gets mad quits and then he's in the office he says i spit on these knives (laughs) i spit on your restaurant and then grabs them out of the restaurant And I spit on you. He's like, oh, let me save you the trouble. And he spits on himself. Right. This is Tom. Tom. And then the French chef walks out of the room. And now Tom and Amanda and Patricia Clarkson are all in this room. They're all arguing about something. Whether she's going to become the chef to save their asses. And now Dylan Baker, brilliant character actor and phenomenal. I mean, like you've seen him in everything. It's ridiculous. Walks in with such urgency and goes, I just saw the chef. And as he says it, wipes the spit off of his face. And it's just... (laughs) It's the smartest choice, and you know it wasn't in the script. And it's the smartest choice, and he just continues with a... His dialogue is, I just talked to the chef. He said he's just quitting. What are we going to do? You ruined all of this. All while swiping the spit off of it out of his eye. While wiping the spit off of his eye. (laughs) And it is so fucking funny. And this movie, everything else, it, like, zooms in on it. It's like, hey, this is the thing that Mm -hmm. you need to focus on today. Mm -hmm. So that's how I believe that it was Dylan Baker, not the script, not the director. Because the four of them in that scene together is actually great. That is a stage show. It was 
perfect. So those oh are the gosh. moments where I'm like, oh, this is actually, it could be good. It's just yeah. got too many accessories. It's got too many, if you strip it down and just let the actors do what they were doing there. Right. You'd be set. Oh, yeah. Or just follow Tom Baker and Patricia Clarkson. I want their spinoff movie. I know. <laughs> this movie. Yeah. Has ratings at all, which I'm surprised about. Because I'm convinced no one else <laughs> has seen this shocked. movie except for you. <laughs> I'm shocked. This movie is rated 5.3 out of 10 on IMDb. Tracks. It has a Metacritic score of 27%. A Tomato Mito score of 16%. I, I, that's, that's gracious. An audience score of 56%. Yes. That's where it feels like the room. Where it's like you get a little bit more because the audience kind of is like, no, 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 but here's why it's great. Right. Like, this is someone's cult movie, and I'm upset that we kind of have a broken into that cult. Like, there's the Drop Dead Gorgeous cult. Right. There's the Rocky Horror cult. Right. There's the Room cult. Right. This movie has a cult or followers who are watching it and talking about it. Right. Why am I not in that cult? So so I think the interesting thing about it is that, like, you mentioned, like, Drop Dead Gorgeous, which is phenomenal, but they knew they were being funny. They knew they were being campy. The Room, he thought he was creating his masterpiece. A masterpiece. Like, that's what I thought he was working on. This is somewhere, like, in between, but I don't think they intended to be as funny as it is. Because you're laughing at it, you're not laughing with it. with it. You're laughing at the movie and how bizarre it is. I think this movie thinks it's earnest, mm-hmm. but that's very surprising to me because there's a lot of smooth jazz for any earnest movie. Too much horn. Way too much horn. <laughs> and constantly in an inappropriate moment. Yeah. Where I was like, wait, why is a horn playing now? They, they she play is smashing dishes. Jazz is like the 18th character in the whole thing. And we didn't need an <laughs> yes. 18th character. So yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's very specific. And it's very off-putting because like, oh, this is the scene. And then the jazz comes in and you're like, mm-hmm. people aren't going to have sex right now. Yeah. Also, no, it's the like, plot is not advancing right now. It's why literally like vanilla here? fog rolling in and you just hear like, and you're like, no, this is not, I don't, this isn't sexy at all. No, or intriguing, or sultry. No. It's, it's no. so weird. The claim to fame that this movie has is that Sarah Michelle Gellar was dressed specifically by Todd Oldham. That's it. That's it. This is also known as Sarah Michelle Gellar's least favorite of her movies that she has done. Should she say that? <laughs> she said that. Yes, girl. That, and you know what, though? But that makes me respect her more. Because every every actor has that one where they're like, ugh, I wish I hadn't done it. It's a spot on my record, whatever. But there's something about her having that that makes her that much more respected in my mind. Because I'm like, you have to have that one that you're like, oh, I wish I hadn't done it. And here's the thing. Anybody who goes into this project thinking, I'm about to act on camera with an animatronic crab and thinks it's going to go well, (laughs) she was young. We're going to give her that. She was young. And she was like, oh, a rom-com? A magical realism rom-com? You know what? That's Part of that sounds intriguing as an actor. Right. You're like, yeah, I'm going to go play in that fucking sandbox. And that's what they were doing. You have to think about like that time frame and those people. Freddie Prince Jr. was doing stuff like Head Over Heels. Oh, it's not like it's that's another one where you're just like, okay, so it's like rear window meets the Victoria's Secret fashion show. Like, what is this movie? You know what I mean? They were all just kind of doing these projects where it was like, oh, we can get these B-listers, I guess, at the time because they weren't like Hollywood Oscar, but they were big. They were big in the culture that was more accessible. Right. Kind of like how like the George Clooney's and the Julia Roberts, everyone saw their movies, but it felt like, oh, those were, those were the serious movies that we're watching. Right. And then there's general audience cinema that's like, but I still want to watch a movie just because I'm not fucking sobbing at the goddamn end. Right. Well, yeah, it's like, mom, you go watch Bridges in Madison County oh. because that movie's made for you. And I will go watch 
simply irresistible because obviously this is tailored for my brain. If you want to know what kind of child I was and why I should have been hit by a car at some point in my life, is I would have that conversation with my mom, and I'm like, Mom, you go see Simply Irresistible because that movie was made for you. you. And I'm, I'm going to go, go see Bridges <laughs> in Madison <laughs> County with yep. Clint Eastwood and Meryl, Meryl Streep, and I am going to sob, okay? And then we're going to meet out here, and yeah. you're taking me to Scoobers. <laughs> Because I'm going to need to be consoled, mother. But that's, like, what it, like, that's what it is when you think about it. Like, the teenagers who couldn't necessarily, like, maybe you were too young to fully understand Pretty Woman. Right. I know that there were elements of things like, movies like As Good As It Gets, which are so heavy. Right. But such a great comedy and a romance in the end that, like, I rewatched it when I got older. And I was like, this is so much better as an older person to, like, understand these jokes a little bit more. But you're also recognizing, God, Jack Nicholson's a dick. And like, <laughs> just like, and you power through and you love, you love Helen Hunt and you like fall for Greg Kinnear because you're like, how oh, could you Greg not? Because he's like, that was like one of the best performances he's ever done. But like appreciating that in your different age. So I was talking about how like, I did not see this movie in a really long time. Right. So I feel like the last time I saw this, I was probably in my early 20s. And now I'm in my late 30s. And so <laughs> it's been a while. And so like, while you and Neil both hadn't seen it at all. Right. It's been a while for me. So I was starting to remember things like right before they would happen. Oh my God, he's grabbing the plant. I forgot about this. Here comes the vanilla fog. <laughs> oh my God, like this part is happening. So there were parts of me that kind of relived it and went like, yeah, this is a really, really shitty movie. I still kind of love it though. I haven't figured out yet. <laughs> If I like this movie, mm-hmm. I have loved mm-hmm. this experience. Yeah. And I love the experience of watching this movie. I'm yeah. glad I got to put that upon my body. <laughs> so I think I kind of have to respect it that way, but mm-hmm. I don't know if I have to like it. No. and that's But I respect I, this movie for what it did to me. But here's the thing, too. Like, I don't ever really feel the need to go out of my way to watch The Room again. Right. But I now have at least experienced it, so I can have that conversation with people because that's like the pop culture element it's being able to have the experience so that you can talk to somebody about it i can't talk about i mean i could talk about this movie for 45 minutes because it would take that long just to explain all the different elements behind it (laughs) but it is one of those things where it's like it's more for the opportunity to go oh you've seen it okay so you know right you get it you get it and that's what this is and now you get it and now i get it and i want to get it more and i want to give it to other people and be like hey Mm-hmm. What do you get out of this? Mm-hmm. And then just have people look at me and be like, Joe, what the fuck? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she just make me watch. I'm like, tell me your opinions and tell me why you're upset with me right yeah. now. I take great pride in confusing my friends with my movie choices. <laughs> I think it's so great. I want to go to a theater where you just program a different movie each night. And I have to be like, what the fuck is going on in her goddamn brain right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This was the last movie, Gene Siskel of Siskel and Ebert, that he reviewed. He gave this oh, a God. thumbs down. <laughs> First of all, I'm going to, I'm going to RIP. Secondly, (laughs) I'm not surprised at all. But Ebert gave her three out of four stars. Yeah. And I'm surprised by that. I didn't think it would be out of four. (laughs) Like, like you say three and I'm like out of 18. You get the two positives and that's what you need. You get the, it was good or it was really good or it was bad or it was really bad. What else do you need? But it's also kind of, I mean, we're going to keep referring to the room in this situation, but it's also kind of like that because there are people who've seen the room. They're like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I don't understand it at all. Why would you subject me to that? And then there are people who are like, it's awful. I loved it. Yes. So like, that's the thing is that you could absolutely hate this movie and not understand it. And we totally want to hear the comments. Like, I want to know yes, what people please. think. Because that's the fun of it is being able to like, what was your experience with this movie? Because 
mine was definitely positive when I first did it because I was young and I was low like I was alone I was single I was like oh any opportunity to hear a man yell Amanda in earnest I'm like I'll take it but yeah I mean it, it just it's absolutely one of those films where you look at it and you're like ah this should not have been made, but I'm so glad it was. Yeah. So. Oh God, I this this was truly magical. I think the special crab worked his magic on mine. Yeah. Why do you think people didn't like this movie? Well, uh, I'd like <laughs> you to refer back to the previous 45 minutes we've been talking. Um, I I think honestly it's because it was too. It was there were too many things. I think and people would just check out. You're talking about you're talking about a generation of people who like, you know, it's like the ADDs and the ADHDs and it's like there's too many things to focus on. Yeah. That your brain kind of goes overdrive and you can't. So you almost have to watch it with a sense of humor or else you're not going to really love it. If you take it as earnestly as they meant it. Yeah. It kind of doesn't work. You have to make fun of it a little bit in order for you to really appreciate it. Because there are moments where you're like this is so stupid. And then Patricia Clarkson comes in in that velvet dress with the gloves and you're like, but go- for the whole movie, worth it. And Patricia Clarkson knows what kind of movie this is. And I'm yes. thinking that she is the Gina Riley of yes. this movie. I'm surprised she didn't do full takes to the camera. I feel like <laughs> at some point that she did. She probably, yeah. And, and she was so fucking good. And uh-huh. she, as an actress, was showing me oh, I'm in on the joke while also being really, really good at the person she is playing. And I think that's really good acting when someone's conveying to you an underlying message on top of what they're actually giving you. Right. Like she's communicating with me, the audience, through her performance. She and like Dylan Baker and Amanda Peet were in on the joke. They got what it was. Yes. Sarah Michelle Gellar and Sean Patrick Flannery took it more seriously and were like the leads of a romantic comedy. And that's, I think, where we kind of lose it. Because she's all over the place. You kind of are, oh, is this like her big monologue that she practiced all night before they like shot it? Like, can you imagine her in the mirror, like doing it with Freddie? Yes. And Freddie's like, babe, it's perfect. Because he's so babe, supportive of her. Perfect. Like, oh my God. just go in and do that. You know what I mean? So yes. it's that kind of energy behind it. But it's like, at the same time, you still love them for doing it. Because it wouldn't have worked with anybody else. It wouldn't have worked with like Reese Witherspoon and no. Matthew McConaughey. Like just, right. You know what I mean? Like right. I'm, I'm just trying to think of like who. Like, it had to be this specific break it in the had stars. To be, it had to be this specific group of people to make sure that like the chemistry of it worked just right. Right. Because it's so awkward. And that's what it is. And that's one, what Sarah Michelle Gellar, it feels like. It feels like Sarah Michelle Gellar, she was walking towards set and then someone pulled her to another one. And she's like, but I was working on this scene. They're like, no, we're doing this one. And she's like, oh, fuck. Okay. Here, yeah. this is what I'm giving it with not the refresher I had yesterday and then immediately pulled into another room and it's people just pulling her and her being like, fuck. Yeah. I thought I had prepared and I did it. Not at all. And then Sean Patrick Flannery acts like he got the full script of this. Uh-huh. Whereas we got like the treatment. Yeah. And then he's mad at everybody else for being like, that's not your line. Right. Why can't you be here? But also like, yes, ending and trying to be the one to connect everything. Yeah. And that's so weird to watch. Yeah. It's all. Yeah. And like, you made a really good point, which is like, when he starts to kind of lose his mind and he starts to kind of get overwhelmed by like the food, like he's smelling the food and it takes him over. It's like, he's trying to convince his backers Mm-hmm. to stick with them and he's not there for any of the meetings he's totally slacking off he's not there like all these guys would have pulled out like easily yeah. from like this investment greg they would have like, no. done it right greg kinnear would have done greg it greg kinnear would have he could have made anything happen i love him 
This movie was originally written to be a middle-aged woman, and they had Holly Hunter in mind, and the studio said no. And then they asked Sarah Jessica Parker to do it, and they said she was too old. Yeah. In 1999, Uh right at the peak of Sex and the City, Uh right at the beginning of Sex and the City, they said she was too old, and that they had to rewrite the script for Sarah Michelle Gellar. Wow. To be a young 20-something-year-old. That's some deep... That's some, like, hot ones digging. What's up? You think I'm not good at this? <laughs> no, it's so good! I love it! I didn't... I Like, I didn't expect that that bit of information. That's amazing. I'm not surprised by that, though. Because my thought process is, is he's recognizing the magic. Everybody else is just recognizing that she's getting better. She's also part of the magic and privy to the fact that, like, a plate of food just appears in front of her and everyone's, like, cool with it. <laughs> yes. And that's such a, like, early 20s, mid-20s mentality that, like, shit just pans out and you don't question it. We don't need to know why. It just did. Don't question the authority. You just let it ride. And I think that's the problem is Holly Hunter would have been like, well, I don't know. I think, I think you know. I, 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 I think there should be two pieces that are connected here. I right. think there are pieces that are missing. Right. Um, where where did this, why, why is that crab on the shelf? D- don't those crabs have to be refrigerated? I've had them out here for a couple of hours. Like, can we, come on team, let's get this all together. <laughs> right. And I think Sarah Jessica Parker, especially because this is set technically in like a New York, it's in New York. Yeah. Is already magic in New York. You have to have somebody who doesn't come across as magical. That can then become magical. You know what? Kirsten Dunst would have killed this movie. Ooh. Interesting. I'm glad we got Sarah Michelle Gellar. Kirsten yeah. Dunst yeah. would have done a number on this I still movie. think you had to have the three namers. Yeah. You had to. Because it's like, you can't have, I don't know, it's just so, it's so stereotypical 90s. A bad review that I found for this movie. And here's the interesting thing about reviews is I always look them up just to understand this. This, the bad review sounded better than the good reviews. And everybody decided this was a 2.5 because someone's like, no, this is a bad movie, 2.5. And I was like, someone's a good, this is a good movie, 2.5. And I yeah. couldn't, I had the hardest time figuring out, like, is this a negative review or not? Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that sounds about right for this movie. This film is very weird, strange, and not very good. It is mainly a love story, but there wasn't much chemistry, and the guy love interest wasn't that nice. That always makes it harder to run with. It just keeps getting weird every time they eat food that just didn't make much sense. Give it a miss, really. And up until then, I wasn't cons- I didn't know that that was a bad review. Right. Whoever wrote that review is dead on. Because you, <laughs> you and Neil both commented on the fact that he's kind of controlling. Yeah. He does act very controlling in this. That's even one bizarre. of the reasons why he has this whole concept, this theory, that after the third date, mm-hmm. everything goes wrong and he usually has to break up with girls and they break up with him and they leave. Mm-hmm. And he has it on a fucking graph on his computer for no reason. He like pulled it up. He has this information ready. Yeah. And Patricia Clarkson says, okay, well, here's the thing that you're missing. What is it you're doing wrong to make all these girls leave? Mm-hmm. And that has never been part of the equation for him. Right. He thinks, he would rather think that it's a curse that is bestowed upon him rather than think, oh, yeah. what active participation do I have to do in order to keep these relationships? Yeah. And later when Amanda Peake breaks up with him, she says, you know what? I'm too perfect. You're kind of an asshole mm-hmm. and you're very controlling. Yeah. I deserve better than this and dumps him. And we thought she was the fool. Mm-hmm. She was right. She was right. She was trying to help out Sarah Michelle Gellar. She was totally right. But do we think that for even a split second that these two tripled name jerks don't deserve each other? Oh. Uh, I mean. It's carrying big all over again. Right. They, right. They had, it had to be the two of them. And the fact that she's like, I don't know what, this is what is happening, but I know I want you. And you're like, oh God. Like, like just the worst. 
Like, just the worst way to tell somebody that you're like, I'm in. Like, I would rather just be like, uh, do you like me? Check this box. <laughs> um, like, that's usually what I tell people. I spread my legs and I'm like, do you like me? Check this box. Click. <laughs> Solid. Thanks. I learned it from watching improv. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. What have I done? What have I done? Believe in magic and go in with a sense of humor or don't bother. I don't think I want any boys to watch this movie. I want girls to watch it right. together, and then I'm at the end just be like, what the fuck did we just watch? Right. But then be like, okay, but let's eat some food, because I'm starving. Because immediately as soon as this food was done, I was like, do you have snacks, or can we go get some? Because I know, right? she is hungry. The food, del- delicious. Congratulations on them for that. Right. But they didn't give any care to the fact that, like, the process of being a chef was considered. <laughs> like she's in like sundresses the entire time at the end the like french sous chef or whatever Mm. is like plating the food with his fingers yeah and licking his fingers like he's grabbing steak or fillets yeah off of the pan and like licking licking his fingers fingers, putting back in and i'm like nightmare like gordon ramsay would lose his damn mind he that is the day gordon ramsay goes to jail because he will stab yeah that sous chef yeah he would stab the fuck out of him and I call want, him an idiot. I want to see the staff at Bon Appetit because, like, you know, they're doing, like, their YouTube stuff. Right. I want to see them actually watch the cooking scenes from this movie and do the thing where they're like, that's not real. That's not how that happens. And just have the rest of the world go, we know. We fucking know. Like, it's very obvious. We didn't need to be a professional chef to know. That's not right. There's a scene where she is cooking and I think there's potatoes, like, on a little saucepan. Mm-hmm. And then her only job was to flip them over, and she could not flip them over. She's carrying on this dialogue, and I think you're supposed to be focusing on the dialogue. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they said, but I saw that she was trying to pick it up, and, like, the potatoes wouldn't get on her wooden spoon. Mm -hmm. Like, they're fat-ass potatoes on a tiny sauce. What are you going to do with the wooden fucking spoon? Yeah. And she can't flip them over. She gets two on her thing, and then kind of they just sets them back down. She can't. Nothing gets moved. Nothing gets sautéed. Nothing. (laughs) I'd, I'd I'd like to introduce what I consider the scenario that went down in regards to that. Hey, Sarah, we're the producers of this movie, and we just want to talk to you about this. We know that most actresses would do some, like, pre-production <laughs> prep, uh, but we just don't have it in the budget to t- send you to two culinary classes, because two would probably have at least cut it. Um, instead, we're going to spend that all on animatronics for a crab. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we spent a little extra for that tuxedo in the top hat. For the crab. For the crab. So, I'm so sorry. Watch some Food Network. Let's wing it. And then she didn't watch Food Network. <laughs> she said, oh, okay. okay. And the cute little thing, she doesn't pick up her elbows and tilts her head and then just walks away. Yeah, she's probably like, I make dinner all the time. Don't you have a cookbook? She like probably, her and Freddie Prince Jr. have a, like, a cookbook. She probably does. Didn't Naomi mention that? I think she yeah. does. Yeah. yeah. I think they probably do. Yeah. They've been around long enough. Can we one night, just for fun, for shits and gags, uh, yes. girls night, we just make whatever recipe is from that thing obviously you're gonna prepare it because as i said i can't fucking cook yeah and then we sit down and watch this movie just yeah cute yeah for sure i love it (laughs) thank you also thank you for the experience because as soon as we started watching this movie you offered me a face mask Mm -hmm. and i felt so good and i feel like i look like a baby's bottom yeah are you not moisturized oh oh, i feel so good i didn't realize that i was incredibly under moisturized now until i'm like oh shit this is how your face is supposed to feel when you take care of it yeah it's you like, picked you picked a good one though. You went for like charcoal. Mm-hmm. Mine was banana. I thought I was gonna like reek of banana afterwards, but I'm like I didn't smell banana. I didn't smell charcoal. Hmm. 
This is fish. I'm gonna have to write a letter. Alright. You know, so Mandarin. Confused. <laughs> don't. Alright, do well, not. we'll figure it out. I have two good reviews. For okay, this movie. oh, ooh, okay. And that is a Your Fay Bad movie first. Okay. Two. Two. This movie is so wonderfully stupid that it is hard not to love. A throwback to classic Hollywood where magical realism required very little realism. So many great actors working so hard to sell an awful script. My guiltiest of guilty pleasure movies. Yes! The second one. Okay. Fluff! Exclamation point. Pure fluff. Extremely light on plot. This is just a fun and flirty film about food, love, and a magic crab. Sarah Michelle Gellar has never been more adorable. I had a great time watching this, even if it has little to no cinematic merit whatsoever. Especially all the cheap edits. Before I saw it, the guy from Boondock Saints, aka Young Indiana Jones, Bops Buffy? I'm there. Genius. Yes, everything, all of it. The only thing is, is that I don't think Sarah Michelle Gellar is the most adorable she's ever been. I think it's that one line that Amanda Pete says, like, oh, a little person. And she, like, walks up to the restaurant that makes you feel like she's, like, a little, like, like pixie you're going to put in your pocket. And that's not the case. She's not the case. So, yeah. But, no, those are dead on. Total fluff. I, it, yeah. I could not imagine the movie that I was building. Because I had never seen this movie before. Right. I'm trying to get all this information collected. I didn't even know what the, mo- the the movie was about, so I made the mistake of reading the plot synopsis. Mm-hmm. And then it said, this magical crab, people can taste your food, something. And I'm like, right. oh, what the fuck? What am I about to watch? Right. But also, okay. And then I just like, in my head, I was like, what the fuck are we going right. to do, Amanda? <laughs> and then I'm reading these reviews, and then I'm like, what the fuck are we going into? <laughs> I'm reading that Sarah Michelle Gellar thinks this is the least favorite yeah. of her films. And then I have to picture that, like, so is this like a bad, bad movie? Like, yeah, what the she, fuck is she's it? not proud of it? Yeah. And has, like, announced that she's not? Yeah. And then the callbacks to all classic Hollywood, because someone's like, this feels like one of those old-timey musicals where people are just getting together to dance. Right. I was like, what the fuck are we talking about? Is right. there a dance sequence in this movie? Yeah, it's, yeah, that's the weird thing, too, is that it's like, they're dancing, but they're not, because it's not, it's not that they actually dance, it's that they stare at each other's eyes <laughs> while the crew is working around them. Right. And they imagine that they've just danced like a fred astaire ginger rogers like he's dipping her like the yeah. whole nine this movie, it's like ridiculous this movie's like what if i the audience member had to put together a puzzle but i didn't know what the box looked like so it's legit being like why is there a fucking dragon here and why is there a fucking mclaren 1500 over here and what the fuck is this amanda pete's left foot yeah what the fuck am i with, putting like together? matching shoes oh, with matching shoes <laughs> uh. yeah it's like it's yeah, it doesn't it doesn't have to make sense in order for you to love it. And that's the beauty of this entire thing. <laughs> I'm so excited. I am now upset because I don't know what to do with this information uh-huh. having watched this movie. Yeah. Who who the fuck am I going to talk to about this movie? Who? Me. Am I going to have to force to watch it so that I'm like, right? 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 Tell me what you're feeling. Right? Because it is, like, the weird thing is, is it is, it is like The Room, but I think because The Room has that that cult following behind it that like legitimately it's like you have to convince people you have to convince people no i promise you like it's a good time but here's the thing you might hate it It right like you could come back and be like you told me this would be funny if i went in with a sense of humor and i have a sense of humor and i was like well then not the right one well then not the right one but also open why but now tell me why you're so mad because I don't right. think you can just be passive about this movie. I think you have opinions, whether you can't put them together or not, whether they're good or bad. You have opinions right. about this movie. Right. You're either going to love it or hate it, but either way, you're going to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for talking to me about it. Thank 
you for talking to me. Oh my gosh. I'm so, like, seriously, I'm so, it was the most exciting thing to look forward to all week. Knowing that I was going to, for lack of a better term, subject you and my husband. Right. To this movie. And I'm so happy you did. I'm also kind of miserable because then what am I going to do now? If you don't want to talk to me for like a full 30 days, I get it. (laughs) I get it. You're the only other person in this entire world who has seen this movie. You're the only person that I can talk to about it. Just text Neil. He didn't subject you to it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll text you both in a group message. Like, wait, hold on. Did this happen or did I make this up? That'll be the next great big thing is when someone later on, because I'm kind of forgetful, is like, why do I have to watch this movie? And I kind of have to explain it again what i am gonna make up or be like wait hold on yeah did i make that up or am i not making that did, right. did i live that it's like when you're in a dream and then someone or when you are dreaming have a crazy intense dream and then the next day you're like did i actually go to like a 13th century transylvanian castle with fiona at my side and fight down everyone from the strokes in order to get the gem from uncut gems right. or did i dream that right and you're kind of unsure <laughs> right I, I i just had the realization that it's kind of like if you were to have a conversation with somebody who does that thing where like they start to tell a story and then they go off into another story and then they're like let's get back to this story and then they like kind of run off to another one and then they continue to like so like there is kind of a timeline but it keeps like jumping yes you know that's what this, what this movie is you know how babies try to tell you a story? Yes. Or small children, and they're like, and then, but, and then you could have, but then this, but, and then the duck was like, really this big? And then mm-hmm. the, and then over there, and then Batman over there kicked the fucking poodle into right. the fire extinguisher. And then you're like, wait. And then you just start nodding along because you're like, if I don't interrupt, it'll be done faster. Right. But you have to let them finish because you have to hear the end of the story. And the end of <laughs> the story. Because you're actually kind of captivated by this young child. Right. And the end of the story is like, all you need is like a little like crane to get them to float above everybody else on the dance floor. <laughs> the end. <laughs> and then you put your child to sleep. And then you have to go back to bed with your wife and you're like, oh, our kid just said the darnest thing to me. Right? And Did I- you write that down? That could be a major <laughs> Hollywood film. <laughs> I am so excited. As with every experience that I have with you, I'm only a better person at the end of it who is significantly much more educated and with more wrinkles on my face because I have laughed incredibly. I have felt incredibly and I'm going to carry this with me forever. Thank you for providing me with that. And thank you for being on the show. I adore you too much. Thank you for sharing with me <laughs> your fave bad movie. OMG, SMG. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. What up, bitches? Gosh, I had such a blast talking with Amanda Fannin about this weird ass movie. I hope you all enjoyed our first experiment with a longer episode. Let me know what you feel. Did we like it? Do we like the shorter episodes? What's up? What's the 411? What's the hot goss? You can let me know on Twitter at Your Fave Bad Movie. I would really appreciate it if you can share the show with your loved ones. And if you're feeling extra generous, I would really love it if you could give the show a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Listen, y'all, it is a wacky, wacky world out there. So be sure to stay informed, practice good hygiene, and be kind to each other. Talk to you next week.